again. Amen. I'm going to jump right into it. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Thank you guys all for coming out this morning on Resurrection Sunday, Easter morning, the day that we celebrate not only the death and the burial of Jesus for our sins, but we also celebrate the resurrection. See, the work would not have been completed if he would not have resurrected. Amen. If he would not, amen. See, sin always requires death. Always. Always. Do you understand what that means? And that's why the, the priests, they used to have to slay a spotless lamb for the sins of the people. Because sin always requires death. Us in our sin, if we do not get forgiven, we will die in an eternal hell at some uh, at, at, at some time. Uh, and then sin always requires death. So what Jesus did when he died on the cross, he replaced himself with us. Amen. There is no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends. And if I keep my com his commandments, I am his friend. He showed me the greatest love. He took my place so that I wouldn't have to die, but that I could have eternal life. But see, it don't stop there. The story does not stop there. If it would have stopped with his death, we would not have the victory. See, he had to overcome death. Amen? It showed that he was greater than death and bigger than death. So that's why on the third day he rose again and he was resurrected. So not only did he die to sin for us, but he overcome the death. He showed that he had power over the death. Amen? I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful when I watch the videos. Amen. I think it would be nice to have a regular occurrence of going back and it's just those videos that we watch of him being beaten and things like that. Those may be just an inkling of what it actually would have maybe really had been like when we was there. But it reminds me of the pain that he went through and it makes me sorrowful that he even had to do that. We are as filthy rags without his grace. Amen. But I'm so thankful that he rose again the third day. He rose again the third day. Luke chapter 23, we're going to read verses 44 through 49. It says, if you dare say amen. amen. It says, now it was about the sixth hour or noon time. Noon time. And there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour or 3 p.m. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Father God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your your word, I thank you for your power. I thank you for sending your son. I thank you that he died on the cross. He was bruised for my iniquities. He was he was he took stripes for my healing. He overcomes sin and death. And I thank you for for giving up the thing that means the most maybe to you. I thank you for that, Father. And thank you, Jesus, for showing me the greatest love that anybody could ever show me. 
Let your Holy Spirit dwell with us here in this place. And in all of the hustle and bustle of Easter, Easter dinners and fixing meals and getting everything just right in the right way. Father God, let us take just a little bit of time to remember you and how great that you are and remember your son. And let us honor him. We give you all our praise and honor Jesus. I pour out my heart to you. Have your will in this place. Lead and guide the message, Jesus. The Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. It says, now it was about the sixth hour. That's what they called it back in Bible times. Nowadays, it would have been about noon. And there was darkness that came over the earth until the ninth hour, 3 p.m. Three hours of darkness. Now, I want you to think about, I want you to, I want to take you back just a little bit to the time frame, uh, uh, to the place of where this was happening. I don't even know if we can really fathom exactly how that it was, but, but just imagine you hearing all of these signs and wonders and miracles from a man named Jesus and, and hearing all of these things that's going on and then hearing about him being crucified and then while he's on the cross, about noontime it grows dark. Now me, my, that was spark of my interest, uh, okay? Wow, what, what happened? It's noontime and it's going dark while he's hanging on the cross, something that seems a little eerie, that seems a little weird, amen? There was something different about it. Amen. If you believe that, would you say amen? amen. It, said it, it said, then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Do you realize what that symbolizes? I don't think people in the church realm really, sometimes we forget or we don't really realize what it symbols when the veil was torn in two. Because see, there was a veil between the, the, the there was a veil that separated the holy of holies. You had to be, that is where the presence of God dwelt. See, nowadays the presence of God dwells inside of me, amen? But at the end, it dwelt in a certain place in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And it was covered, it, well, the front of it was covered by, by a veil. And a priest had to be completely pure. If he went in there and he wasn't pure, the Lord would strike him dead, amen? So he had to be pure, he had to be holy. So he... So when that veil was torn, amen, there was something going on anyway. Darkness was coming. The veil was torn. That symbolized no longer did I have to have a priest to go to the Lord for me. Amen. I could go to the priest. Amen. I could go to the high priest, to Jesus, to God. Amen. I could go myself and have that personal relationship with it. Such power it was in that. Amen? Such power. It was torn in two. No longer did somebody have to go to God for me, but I could go myself. I'm a type of guy I like to do things myself a lot of times. I like to do it myself. No longer did I have to have somebody praying for me. Amen? For my sins. I could go to the Lord myself. I could go myself. That veil it was torn. And then it said he cried with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What that shows me about Jesus was the, the submissiveness spirit, spirit that he had to the will of the Father. Whatever the Father's will was to be done, let it be done. He was in the garden and he said, let this cup pass from me. Do you think that he wanted in every way, shape, and form to be beaten and battered and mocked and scorned 
Lord and all of that stuff. I'm sure there was some part of him, amen, that would, would have liked to have rose up and said, no, I don't want to do this. Let me out of it. I don't want to do this. But he said, nevertheless, let thy will be done. Let thy will be done. See, God knew. See, that's the reason why they call Jesus the Lamb of God is because he became the spotless Lamb. It was during that same time they were celebrating the Passover and they was going to have to sacrifice a spotless Lamb for the sins of the people. Amen. But Jesus became the spotless Lamb. He became that. I think sometimes about the fact of, you know, would we give up our lives, even for our kids? We would love to just jump right on board and say, yeah, 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 we would. But would we really? Would we really give our lives for somebody else? But we look at Jesus, he willingly, he never once says in this word of God that God had to sit down and bribe him to give up his life for us. It never says once that he sat down and negotiated with Jesus and said, hey, if you give up your life for these people, then I will do this or I will do that. He never once says that. But what it does say, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I completely yield to your will, Father. And he did that for us. But here's the part that I want to get at. Verse 48 and 49, it says, And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breast and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. So I was thinking as I read that, who would have been in the crowd? It said all, it said the whole crowd came together to that site. Who would have been in the crowd? Who would have been in the crowd? Today, if there's a fire burning, if this church was to catch on fire, heaven forbid that it ever would, but if it would, you would have onlookers come upon the way. And then you would have you would have select different people that would come, even though they might not do, even though they couldn't have done anything, they would come to and watch it burn. Amen. Number one, I mean, what kind of folks was in this crowd? What kind of folks? Number one, fickle people. Fickle people. Everybody say fickle. fickle. Who are fickle people? Fickle people that were there just for the ride. The buddy said, hey, that Jesus, that they said did all these signs and wonders. He's getting crucified today. Let's stop by and let's see what's happening. Fickle people. People that just jump on the bandwagon. All my buddy, that they, uh, I, I, it amazes me when I think about this story of crucifixion. It amazes me how just like a week before on Good Friday or, or somewhere around there, he's entering into Jerusalem and they're, they're, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and all that. And they're, they're giving him praise. But I just wonder if some of those people that were saying his praises on Good Friday, amen, just a few days later were saying crucify him. Maybe it was because of the company they was with. I mean, the company they was with this day was all for Jesus. So they were singing, saying, Hosanna. 
But then just a few days later, they were saying crucify him because he was around a different group of friends. Reminds me a lot of people today. Amen. It don't matter how good God is, how big God is. We go with the flow depending on who is around us. We become fickle. Amen. We become fickle. So who else was in this group of people? Fire watchers. Everybody say fire watchers. Those were the people who maybe didn't have very friends, but they was just onlookers seeing what was happening. Just, just seeing what was happening. Nosy. Anybody ever know any nosy people? Yes. Amen. They come and watch just to see what was happening. You ever get behind somebody when there's a wreck on the road? You go by, the traffic slows down from 55 down to 35 because everybody's got to see what's going on. Oh, there's five cops there. For one, why is there five cops there? They, you know, and another reason, everybody wants to know. They get home, they're checking Facebook. Oh, what happened? What happened? They're, they're, they're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're uh, same people. As soon as they get home, check their answer machine. You know, gotta know who's called. Gotta know, gotta, gotta, gotta know, gotta know. Informa information's good. But I think maybe there were some fire watchers there. They didn't have a place. They didn't have a purpose. They was just there to just watch. Reminds me a lot of people today. They come to church and they claim to be Christians. They don't really get in or out. They just come and watch. They float in when the big thing is happening and they float out to the next big thing. And float out to the next big thing. And the next big thing. But it says in the book of Revelation that if you are lukewarm, I'll spew you out of your mouth. Uh, spew you out of my mouth. What does that mean? That means you're a fire watcher. If you're not in, you're not out. You're straddling the fence. Amen? I think in this crowd there was fire watchers. Just people, hey, what's happening? All these people yelling at this dude to crucify. I want to see, I want to see, I want to see what he looks like. I want to see why everybody hates him. Do you realize they they released Barabbas over him, which was a murderer? And Jesus, he was innocent. Do you realize that? He was innocent. He had not done nothing. See, my thinking is when I look at the situation, they was afraid he was going to take their power. The Pharisees, they prayed that he was going to take their power. They wouldn't have to be able to have the run of the roost anymore. And he, they were scared of them. So their religious spirit stepped up a little bit. And they said, we'll just do away with it. They looked for the opportunity to strike. And they struck. The behind the scenes wasn't known by the fire watchers. They was just coming to see what happened. They did not have a knowledge of what was right and what was wrong. They did not have the knowledge that that was the son of the living God that they was watching hanging on the cross. They had no knowledge of that. That that was the Messiah that had been predicted for hundreds of years to come. He was right there and they were so blinded, some of them by their own ego, or so blinded by their own things that they had to do and uh, their, their, own, their own destiny, their own, their own works and, and all of that stuff that they couldn't even see. That was the man that had prof been prophesied that was going to come. He was right there. Right there. He was here all along. But they were so blinded that they couldn't see. 
The Pharisees were so worried he was going to take their power that they couldn't buy into this is the Son of the living God. I read this morning the scriptures out of John when it said, when it said Pilate wrote on the sign, uh, uh, the king of the Jews and the Pharisees well, wanted him to say, no, put, he said he was the king of the Jews. But Pilate said, what I've read, written, I have written. Amen. He was the king of the Jews. See, here's where we got to get to the place. Like it or not, Jesus is king. Amen. He is the king of kings and he's the Lord most high. It don't matter. Listen, I know this may be bold. Don't get mad at me, but it don't matter what you think. It don't matter what you like. He's still king of kings and the Lord most high. And what he says, you can either bow down and subject yourself to it now or later on judgment day. Except then it's, it's too late. So who else was in the crowd? You had the firefighters. You had your fickle people. You had your fire watchers. But you also had your firefighters. There was probably some Pharisees there just looking for something to be done wrong. It was because of them that they was even there. The son of the living God. Amen. Right there. Hanging. And they were shutting him down. You realize that? Kind of reminds me of a lot of people. Some people. Amen. It don't matter what God is doing. They don't like it because you're interfering on their world. Amen. You're interfering with their lack of standards. I heard, I heard something the other day. Now, if you're taking notes, drop this down because this is good. This is good. Are you ready? Good boy. Now, I may not say it quite like I heard it, but basically, standards bring out hidden demons. When you start putting standards on people, it brings out hidden, hidden things that's not necessarily of God. Amen. These firefighters. See, Jesus came and he wanted to put a standard in place. See, they wanted to live by a list of do's and don'ts. Well, it don't say in here that I can't look on a woman and think about her wrongly. It don't say that in the Bible. It don't say that in the written law. It says if I commit the act of adultery. But Jesus said if I look upon a woman and lust after her in, my, in your heart, you have already committed adultery. He raised the standard. Do you understand that? He raised the standard. Oh, you get to raising the standard uh, in church and around people. Oh, you get people bucking and they don't like it. And, and, and they bring out, it brings out personalities and people that you may not even thought that they had. But do you realize that's what Jesus did? I mean, do you realize we would be safe to say that if you ever question anything, just don't do it. Amen? If it's a question at all, just don't do it because but God is probably going to err on the side of a high standard. But see, in today's world, we want to fight against high standard and push towards acceptance of everything. People confuse love with acceptance. I don't have to accept everything to love it. Amen? They want to shut down 
anything that's going to take, that's going to what they feel control over them, even if it's a good thing. They want to fight the fire. They were probably in the camp. Who else was in the crowd? The followers and the family. You had the fickle people. You had the fire watchers. You had the firefighters. But you also had followers and family. These people, they had tried to understand Jesus even when they couldn't, but they stuck by him. They were invested in him. Do you realize that? They were invested in Jesus. It wasn't just, this wasn't another man. This wasn't just somebody. You, I want you to understand, it may have been hard for them to buy into Jesus, these people, because they had had false prophets along the way claiming to be the Messiah. But here he really was, and, and it was hard for people, I'm sure, to buy into it for whatever reason, whether it was lust of the flesh, you know, of power and all that stuff, or just the fact of hard to believe because it had so many people claim to be the Messiah. But these followers, they were invested in him. Yes. They loved him. So, that, I mean, they... Some of the, his disciples, they pretty much lived with him for three years. Do you realize that? They pretty much lived with him. They seen the attitude that he had. They seen the times when he had the righteous anger and overthrew the money changers' table. They knew his heart and spent enough time with him. They knew his heart. They knew that he cared for them, that he loved them. They knew that he even, even though he hated sin and he had a righteous anger, he was still humble enough to bow down and wash their feet. Yeah. And he had a desire to teach them. They were close to him. They loved him because of all this stuff. Their love for him, I'm sure, of all the stuff they've been through, they loved him, but I'm sure they loved him even more because of the stuff that he had went through. Yeah. They seen They were sold out. They were sold out. All of these people were in the crowd, but it says in the whole crowd who came together, verse 48, to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breast in return. What does that mean, beat their breast in return? The word beat their breast in one commentary that I read was a sign of mourning. Now I imagine the Pharisees and the things like that, that it was just, it's probably a show to some of them. Or just go along with what everybody else did. You ever been to a funeral and just, you didn't know the people, but you cried anyway because it was happening? You know, because it was just sad? You didn't know the people and it was sad. You just, you know, you probably had some of those people there. But the sorrow, the sorrow, it says they beat their breast and returned. They, they showed a sign of mourning, but then they returned. They left. But I want you to listen who stayed. But all his acquaintances, the people who knew Jesus, the people who had followed him, the people that were invested in him, them and the women who followed him from Galilee, his followers, the people that believed that he was the Messiah, that, 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 Maybe even family, some family in there that, that had bought in. They stood at a distance. They didn't leave him. They stood at a distance and watching these things. Even in the midst of sadness, even in the midst of war, war, 
warning and stuff, they still stood at a distance and watched. So what did they lose? I'm sure they were sad. Amen, wouldn't you be? If this was the person that you had changed your life for. You had looked up to him. You had bought into his to his story of the way things ought to be. You had bought into his lifestyle. You had followed him, lived with him. You had seen him show love to the poor. You had seen him show love to the kids. Amen. You, you had seen, you believed that this was the Messiah. What did they lose? I'm sure they felt mourning. They lost some things. They lost the fact of teaching. They lost the fact that he gave them some understanding with things. They lost this man they thought that he was, that they were vested in. They had lost their leader. And I can imagine they probably didn't know what to do. Didn't know where to go. Didn't know what to say. Even though that he had prophesied that he was going to die, I'm sure they still was lost. You ever been there, been lost, not knowing what to do? God, where are you? I don't see you anywhere around. I know that but all of this stuff go, is going on. The word of God says you'll never leave me or forsake me, but I do not feel you anywhere around. See, it's in those times it's in those times right there that is the breeding ground for a miracle. If we hold true. If we hold true. It's the breeding ground for a miracle. If we hold true. So what did we gain? What did we gain? We gained freedom. Amen. I'll take a few moments or a few days to where it seems like Jesus isn't there but to grow with him. He really is to grow my faith for my freedom. Amen? Freedom means so much to America. But yet every day, every day there's people time and time again that brings themselves to the, to the bondage of sin. But yet we talk about America, the, the nation of the free. But still yet, when we sin, we're becoming under bondage, under slavery. So what did we get our freedom from? Number one, it was fear. Number one, it was fear. Isaiah 41, 9 says, You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its father's regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you realize we wouldn't have had that if you would not have died? They stood around in sorrow thinking all hope was gone. Or, or kind of wanting to think it. I mean, hanging on to the very last thread of hope. But little did they know, it's just Friday. In two more days, he's going to rise again and give not just them, but the whole world. 
One of them being fear. One of them being fear. Number two being rejection. Psalms 2710 says, When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Do you realize what that's saying? When my father and mother, the people that are close to me, my family, when they forsake me, the people who knew my heart, who grew up, who helped raise me, when they forsake me, the Lord will love me and he will be there for me. He needs to be closer to me than my mother and my dad. Amen? Amen. I call my dad every week or every other week. We get together. We, have, we laugh. We cut up. We eat meals together. We spend time together. But even in the times, my father will still let me down. Amen? Even though he is my father and I love him with all of my heart, he is still human and he will let me down. Amen? And sometimes he may forsake what I think is right in my life, but the Lord will never forsake. Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for my good. Amen. He's got my interest at his heart, in his heart. Amen. He wants to do what's best for me. I don't have to worry about being rejected. Anybody ever deal with rejection? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right here. Right here. Why do we wear the clothes that we wear, the shoes that we wear? Why do we hang out with the friends that we hang out? We want to fit in. We want to fit in. You see, I don't have to worry about those feelings of rejection. Because they spent just a little bit of time when Jesus died. But he rose again the third day. He overcome death, hell, and the grave. So now I can overcome rejection. When it feels like everybody in the world is out to get me, I can overcome rejection. When it feels like everybody in the world don't like me, I can overcome rejection. I can overcome fear. I can also overcome shame. Romans 10, 11 says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. I can overcome guilt. I can overcome condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen? I don't have to worry about being condemned. Amen? I don't have to. Yes, I'm a failure a lot of times, but I don't have to worry about that. When I come to Jesus and I say, I'm sorry, and I mean it with my heart, please forgive me, Jesus. He forgives me, and I don't have to worry about what any of y'all think about. <laughs> Amen? Can we just be a little bold here for a little bit? I don't have to worry about what y'all think about. Because God overcome death, hell, and the grave. Amen? See, people will try to kill you. Now, what about that? No, I'm talking about spiritual death. Amen? You get to thinking like everything's going good. You get in church. You start reading your Bible, serving the Lord. You just wait because before very long, the old enemy will come through and he'll try to take your legs right out from under you. And just like we're the hands and feet of God, the people are the hands and feet of the enemy. Amen? And a lot of times, the people of God, even though they're the hands and feet of God, they'll be the hands and feet of the enemy along with that too. They not even realize it. Because they're not caught up on the word. Amen? And we'll cut people down. 
We'll make them feel rejected when we need to make them feel loved. We'll make them feel shame when we need to make them feel accepted. Amen. And that and that, that and that Jesus loves them. And, and that they're they're not that that they're not that they're not too weird to serve God. Too weird for God. Amen. We in ourselves, we think people's weird sometimes. You realize that Jesus was to walk in that back door right now in the same attitude like he had back in Bible times and he tried to do today what he did back then? A lot of the church might have to do the very same thing to him. Yeah. Wow. They might have said, he ain't the Messiah. I don't understand what he's doing. I don't understand why he's got to do that. Why do we think we got to understand everything? It's God. We're not going to understand God. We don't understand how he created the whole heaven and earth. Why do we think we, we got to understand why he does everything that he does? scriptures. You know Jesus did. Amen. That was part of what kept him perfect. Because he lived by the scriptures. The enemy come up against him and said eat this and do this and do this and I'll give you this blah 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 blah. Every time Jesus came back with scripture. He came back with scripture. And today the scripture that just speaks to me is there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. I have freedom from that because he overcome death, hell, and the grave. I also have freedom of addiction. James 4, 7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I have freedom from addiction. Nothing can grab a hold of me from the enemy and hold me down because I have freedom of that because of what he did. I also have freedom from the chains that the enemy tries to put on me. I have freedom from captivity. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which God has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I'm free from sin. I'm also free from defeat. The devil can't defeat me when I got God on my side. I think about the story in the Bible and I love it. I love those victory stories. I love it when God shows off a little bit. You know, I had somebody tell me here the other day, and you guys can probably see by the stage design and everything. Somebody told me, he said, You're a little flamboyant. <laughs> uh, probably not a little, probably a lot. But, uh, I love it when God gets a little flamboyant, you know? I love it. I love it when he, when he shows up. And I think about the story in the Bible, you know, when Elijah sent the servant out to look and pray that God opened his eyes and he looked up and seen all the host on the hillside that was there ready to fight the battle. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. God showed off. Amen. And it's for his glory for us to give him glory. Amen. I don't, I don't, I have freedom from defeat. Freedom from defeat. 
Deuteronomy 23 says, And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint, do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. Deuteronomy 24, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Yeah. All things. I had a pastor, he'd say, what is the, what's the Hebrew word, what's the Hebrew for the word all? It's all. Amen. All things. I can do all things. See, that's what overcoming death allowed. That's what it did for me. That's what it did for me. It also gave me freedom from death. Well, Pastor Brad, I know a lot of people who died. Well, it says, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I want you guys to think about this. We've listed all of these things. Just like the video says, if you must say goodbye, say goodbye to fear, goodbye to rejection, goodbye to all these things. Do you realize what all that is? It's all gimme, gimme, gimme. What did Jesus do for me? And it's great. He did it, he did it all for us. That's wonderful. It fits right in, though, with the American dream. It fits right in with the American mentality. What can Jesus do for me? He did it. He paid it all. There's one thing that he requires. To have the everlasting life, you've got to give up your life. So even though you've got all of these benefits and blessings, it's not because it's gimme, gimme, gimme. It's because I gave my life to God. And in return, he's gave me all of these things. There's many more. We could talk all day about the promises that is in the Bible of what God God promises us. And it's all because he overcome death, hell, and the grave. So I want to ask you this, this morning. If you all will stand. Every day, that, every day we go through this life, we are like the crowd that was there when Jesus was crucified. Well, how do you mean? Well, we see God moving and Jesus moving every day in our life. We see. We see. Just the air that we breathe is a gift from God. Amen? The air that we breathe, the clothes that we have, our children, the vehicles, all the things that we have, just, just the opportunities that we have to share the goodness, all of these things, we see God moving every day. We are the crowd. Who are we? 